0: Welcome back to RockStock Channel. We are very privileged to have today Patrick Brindle of Piedmont Lithium. Third or fourth time we've had Piedmont on our channel, but the first time we've had Patrick, who is Chief Operating Officer, but I've known you almost since inception of Piedmont. So I wanna go into that a bit but it's september 21st almost exactly two years ago i think it was september 22nd was battery day at tesla and keith was one of three lithium ceos present it was big news that day i demarcate the end of lithium 2.0 and the start of lithium 3.0 as that time frame tesla put piedmont on the map you know everyone who's watched this channel should know that we've been a strategic advisor to an investor in piedmont nearly since its inception from seed funding round at $10 million market value. For the bulk of that time, the company has, with the exception of the period of time from Battery Day, I think in September of 2020 to March of 2021, when founders Tazo Arima and Lamont Leatherman were on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, that window of time, Piedmont had a lot of liquidity and a relatively high valuation, but the rest of the time, including now, somewhat underappreciated and undervalued. And I, I think that's the case still today. I don't want to tease, you know, that out a little bit, but Patrick, why don't you give, you know, your background before Piedmont. And like I said, I think you were on one of the first site visits I went on. I remember we helped bring in Keith to the company. But I remember him saying from very early on that Piedmont's nothing without Patrick Brindle, like if he didn't have you as a right-hand man, you know, there would be no Piedmont.
1: Well, Keith is very gracious in his remarks. Um, you know, Rodney Howard, it's uh, it's great to join you today. Um, it'll be great to be together. A lot's changed uh, with the company since the last time you were able to to visit. And uh, Howard, I think the first time we did meet was in February of 2017 uh, at a at a site visit that uh, that we had both attended and a um, small group of investors at that time. I think uh, depending on when folks start dates are here within the next 10 day or two week window on Monday I believe we have 39 or 40 employees now so it's it's quite exciting it was timely for us to move into our uh, new home here in in Belmont you know it's great to have the Piedmont team all in one place we're super excited about the next 6 12 18 months Uh, we've got a lot of things going on We'll, we'll be talking about those this morning but um Yeah, from those early days in the in the company till now, it's just been an amazing journey and I joined the business in January of 2018 after uh, almost 20 years as an EPC contractor uh, principally in the in the coal industry specializing in uh, coal processing and, and bulk materials handling, having worked in various coal markets around the world, US Canada expatriate assignments in China, Australia, Mongolia, Russia, as I've noted to others, you know, that was a a great first long chapter in my career. Uh, And I'm extremely proud of the heritage. My family has been coal miners way back to the middle of the 19th century. But as I noted to Jack Ewing from the New York Times, when we were together at NAL a couple of weeks ago, it's Time to move on and I couldn't be happier having made the move to an owner's team here at, at Piedmont. Couldn't be more excited about, you know, transitioning to different, different industry, you know, critical minerals, battery materials, supply chain, the, the vibe and the sentiment, the direction that the nation and the world is, is going and, you know, every day brings new challenges and it's just so much fun.
0: Well, that's great. Thanks for the, the background. Okay. So we, we met, I guess you were doing due diligence, you know, in 2017, and then it took you a year before you actually joined, I guess, full time. Uh, the story at that time was one of, you know, optioning and acquiring land, stitching up the, the land position was, was very important, but, but the story then was all about Carolina since then you know the lithium story has only got better and better you know exciting but you navigated after raising this capital and the profile again tesla put you in business a few months later Tyana, who had their eyes on this north american lithium project for a long time keith saw and had an opportunity invested in the you know piedmont invested in the company at less than a penny right it's now whatever it's been 30 cents but at that time They didn't have North American lithium. And since then, I guess last year you, you won the bid for North American lithium. So I want to talk from an operating perspective. You have slides in your deck here, three or four projects, however you want to kind of define them, but you have three assets and and maybe four projects. Sequentially Carolina, you know, the flagship is the fourth project, or it's the last one to kind of come online, but you are now in a relatively imminent producer. And we've seen in spodumene companies like Sigma and Core Lithium and even Cyana pricing in that imminent production of spodumene to be sold to China in the short term until you know you kind of move things downstream. So could you talk about you know, this asset that you bought, just I don't know if viewers understand this, but has been in operation on and off since whatever, the 40s or the 50s. You talk about back to the future Carolina Lithium. The only reason that there was Carolina lithium was because America didn't want to get Quebec lithium, which was this mine for their nuclear program. They, they wanted a domestic source. So this mine was actually feeding the U S nuclear program and then Canada lithium in lithium 1.0, I guess in the 2009 or 10 timeframe, it was then sold to RB energy, then the market turned away. So it had problems. Then a Chinese group, Jill and Jean, took it over, and but CATL switched it back on. I've made a comparison. The most, the recent video that I did to MP Material. That was a failed mine. You know, it went bankrupt, but a lot of invested capital w- was put in there. The new owners bought it for a song, made some process improvements, have gotten it into production, are selling rare earth concentrate to China, and they have a five billion market cap here. So you've come in, Piedmont's come in in partnership with Siona. You helped them get that deal over the line, and now it's fully funded. But you're making these improvements, and Siona is saying you're going to be in production in Q1. You're kind of saying first half, so you're being a bit more conservative, I think, on on that score. But where are you from May of this announcement to to now? There've been some pictures of you and the Siona team. You know, mm-hmm. How close are we to? this production and then we'll talk about the economics of that and what that means for
1: Piedmont. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Howard. Uh, There's a lot there's a lot to unpack there. I guess I I would say uh, before sort of talking about NAL a little bit, you know, we we started our journey here at Piedmont like many juniors do as a as a single asset exploration company and, you know, where we find ourselves today is. is a multi-asset business via our investments in Quebec and Ghana so mineral resources and ore reserves distributed around the Atlantic basin that ultimately we hope will fund a, a North American based lithium hydroxide business where fundamentally we believe in the spodumene to hydroxide uh, thematic uh, we believe in the strategy of owning our mineral resources in the ground. We're having substantial equity exposure to them in order to hedge ourselves against variability in raw material uh, pricing over, over time. Um, we believe in the stronger for longer uh, thematic of both spodumene concentrate and lithium hydroxide prices. And so we think over the course of the next decade, uh, that positions us well to be an important player, uh, certainly in the US, battery supply chain um, by our our future projects at Tennessee Lithium and and Carolina Lithium. But uh, we are focused over the next nine to 12 months on the mission critical effort of putting uh, the plant at North American Lithium and the mine back into production. And so we started that effort last year with uh, with Siona in January uh, with our investment in both Siona mining uh, in Siona, Quebec at the time, taking a, a 19.9% stake in the parent company, uh, Siona Mining uh, through their ASX listing and then a 25% project level interest in Siona, Quebec, which you're right at the time owned the and still does own the RTA, uh project and, uh, and the exploration targets at, at Tansom I would say that we We helped each other with a successful acquisition at the end of August of last year. And although it wasn't until June that we formalized uh, at the Siona Quebec board level the intention to restart North American Lithium, we actually started spending significant amounts of capital uh, as early as September of last year, immediately upon acquisition. I would say that we remain on track for first Concentrate production at NAL in the first half of next year with you know commercial shipments starting, say, in the in the third quarter with some potential, perhaps for for an upside case, but I think the schedule that we're tracking at is shipments starting starting in the summer.
0: So. Sion is fully funded for this, you're fully funded. So it's just a matter of spending that money and getting things up to feed. But I mean, I guess, will you be having construction pictures that we could see on a monthly basis just so that we could see it, there've been pictures and, and, and it's great thoughts on that briefly.
1: And then I'll ask you a couple other questions. I think some of the thoughts on that, you know, most of the work is in the interior of the, uh, uh Of the concentrator itself of course from lithium 1.0 till now there's been some 400 million canadian invested at nal over the past 12 to 15 years so most most of the project is built we're investing about uh 80 million us uh, from you know the beginning of the year till next spring to bring operations back into production, uh, Siona publishes a, a monthly update, which includes some of the photos of works in in progress. And I think there'll be an opportunity to have some investors and analysts on, on site. You know, that's that's something that's still in the in the works.
0: Yeah, we were we were hoping that could coincide with Rodney's visit, but it looks like it's going to be a little bit later than that. I want to be clear. We,
1: we want to we want to strike the very delicate balance between as much of the work if, as possible has been completed so folks have something meaningful to look at and early enough so that the weather hasn't turned sour and we're able to get everyone safely there and safely back again.
0: I appreciate that. Siona is a 75% owner, you're a 25% owner, but how does the joint venture work? Like you have 50%, the greater of 50% or or 113,000 tons and the PFS calls for 165,000 tons, I think it is, or or something like that. So based on the current plan, you're the majority of the offtake for Life of Mine but you're a minority partner but there is a joint venture kind of operating it you know how does that joint venture work
1: yeah good good question so functionally uh Siona Quebec uh in which we're the 25 percent partner is the operator of the North American lithium assets uh over the last eight months uh has done a tremendous job in building out the operational team I'm very encouraged with respect to the the quality of the people that uh, Siona has recruited into the business, and uh, and we're fully supportive of that team. So so they'll be the operators. Uh, they manage the day to day business. Uh, we, as a, a, a joint venture partnership, have uh, uh, a great deal of visibility, sort of into capital spend. Into technical plans, into operational readiness, um, I I have a lot of visibility into the timing of spend, where we're spending money, who we're contracting it with, what schedule performance, what's budget performance. Not entirely on a on a real time basis, but um, I have a lot of uh, a lot of opportunity to review and sign off, and and we provide input from uh from our side in a support capacity over the last i would say 9 months because we're taking decisions together and spending real money we've put some rigor um into the functionality of that of that board and it's working very well
0: there was some talk about blending ota or into north american lithium and there is some talk about going to carbonate not just going you know and selling spodumene so could you talk about i guess both of those how are decisions made about those from the joint venture level
1: pre-bid or pre-award of the acquisition of of NAL it had always been uh, Siona's strategy that the most efficient operation in the long term would be a combination of the ore bodies at NAL and ATA that involved trucking you know crushed run of mine were from OTA to NAL we subscribed to that strategy during the course of due diligence before making our initial investment into Siona early last year and so it remains the plan upon completion of all permitting activities and capital construction at OTA. Uh, to to run that processing model and and that'll be about a two thirds one third uh, run of mine or split with two thirds NAL ore about one third OTA or feeding into the the plant the elegance of that is that you know the OTA mineral resource itself is not substantially different in terms of head grade but it's fewer larger lenses of spodumene bearing pegmatite with substantially less dilution material than has historically been seen at NAL. So on a fully diluted basis, our expectation is that, you know, the head grade going into the plant would would increase the, the burden on the ore sorting equipment that we're expanding would be reduced and subsequently the head grade going into the mill and then the corresponding recovery would both would both improve on a on a long-term basis so part of that strategy is to help extend the life of the the surface operations at at NAL that remains the plan given the change in design from what was initially going to be a uh, an open pit mine with a spodumene concentrator now that's unwound a little bit to an open pit mine with uh, you know some crushing facilities and truck loading has some rework to do in terms of you know permitting activities and so it might be it might be 12 months or more before we're able to bring ore from OTA to to NAL maybe a little bit longer than than that and so during the the early months of operation at NAL we'll rely on uh, you know, NAL ore only. And that blend will come in over over time.
0: Okay. And then the carbonate plant idea. Is that contingent on the blended strategy?
1: No, it's there. They're separate issues. Um, You know, in a recent press release from Siona, providing a market update, they noted that um, the carbonate plant uh, at NAL is 50% constructed. I, I would say that from from our perspective, if you look at other conversion plants that have been built in recent years, um, you know what's actually in the plant at Lacorn probably only represents about 50% of the, the equipment and the capital needed for a fully functional carbonate plant. So we're not doing any work in the carbonate plant today. Um, there are major elements missing. Uh, you know, between the acid roast and, and cooler, uh, a mill, um, storage of beta spodumene calcined material, substantial upgrades to crystallization, impurity removal, filtration packaging, etc. There's probably a few hundred million dollars that would need to be spent there uh, to put the carbonate plant into service. Uh, what we did agree at a board level is that we would uh, refresh uh, technical studies that had been undertaken in the past at a at a feasibility level um, to reevaluate what might be required in in some granular detail with respect to a full build out of the, the carbonate plant. And then once those studies are completed, you know we'll have a conversation at a partner level about what the next appropriate steps are. That's a carbonate plant in the works, but, you know,
0: there was some commitment, I thought, to the Quebec government that you would do a downstream, it could be carbonate, it could be hydroxide, what is the carbonate market in the United States, you know, I guess, uh, or in North America, you know, does it make carbonate make sense?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, a good question. I think, um, you know, what, what your question leads to is that we, we have optionality. Um, because we have elements of an existing asset uh, in place, um, we we don't have other property away from La Corn today where we might, cook, you know, locate a jointly owned lithium conversion facility. And so uh, what that lends itself to, I think, is an, a number of uh, trade-off studies that need to be undertaken by, um by the partnership to figure out what exactly it is that we that we want to do Um, you know manufacturing carbonate at nal might mean you know a a technical grade carbonate that gets reprocessed um, into a into a battery quality hydroxide it might mean a, a battery quality carbonate that's that's used you know for for those types of those types of cathode formulations that favor battery grade carbonate there there's a few things there i think um you know the hot topic in quebec for the last probably more than a year is construction at uh, beck and core everybody under the sun wants to be in in beck and core and that that's exciting it's got river access etc but it's an industrial park with a limited number of sites that are build ready today and and so to rush towards a a choice like that for example um you know whether whether the labor market in that area can support uh, suppliers can support. So we've got a few things to think through, and we've got some decisions to make together with our partner on what that looks like. There are a lot of options. We do have certain commitments to invest in Quebec that we agreed to in exchange for their support of a of a credit bid through the acquisition of NAL that ask us to complete technical studies, including a feasibility study within three years of the acquisition date and in downstream production in a range of starting as early as six years from the acquisition date. And so those aren't, you know, tomorrow or or next year, but they're not that far out into the future if you consider how long it, it takes to permit a facility like that raise the capital needed to bring it to market and start and start production so you know namaska with
0: live inc could be building hydroxide and you have optionality why couldn't you sell spodumine into that or, or other downstream facilities that piedmont's building or with the inflation reduction act may just be economically better it, for the joint venture to build in america
1: for example it may be the intent and spirit of uh, long-term objectives would be conversion of spodumine within the province of of Quebec the goalposts move a little bit um, with respect to timing et cetera. if the facilities are owned by the partnership or where the partnership has an equity position in you know say a, a conversion facility where there are other where there are other partners uh, versus one in which we sell spodumine concentrate to a conversion facility in the province that's owned by others. I think, um, from our perspective, although it's not in that development progression from 2023 through 2026 that includes, you know, NAL restart, uh, Atlantic, Tennessee, and and Carolina, you know, you would look forward to a future that, you know, also included conversion capacity in in Quebec. Uh, Quebec will be an important contributor to the battery material supply chain over time, both on the cathode and anode side, Um, and I think it would be logical for Piedmont to want to have, you know, exposure to production capacity in that province, both upstream and downstream okay that, that makes
0: sense thanks for the full answer from an equity dilution perspective you know you're fully funded here you know cash flows from this activity um finance a lot of the equity in your other investments right like people may think oh my god you have big capex and lhp2 and cash flows in the, in the next one to two years can go a long way to to fund that
1: we would expect some cash flow uh from spodumene concentrate sales next year but As you rightly pointed out, uh, if commissioning is complete in the first half of next year, you know, we start commercial sales, maybe sometime in Q3, uh, through a ramp up into Q4, I would not expect uh, NAL to be at, you know, its nameplate capacity in terms of uh, daily run of mine throughput grade and recovery, um, you know, until 2024, uh, because it'll take a number of months to make that to make that happen. Some revenue next year, more substantial in in 24, then into 25. And then I think we need to to start making some decisions around, you know, what happens in the medium to long term with respect to, you know, where where those tons go um, from a from a conversion perspective. before we sort of touch on maybe other elements of the the offtake volumes, et cetera, to touch on your point, Howard, I think you know through the course of 2023, um, if we think about what we need to do next year, um, we're targeting FID in Tennessee at some point next year, off the back of completion of all the material permits that we need to build, assuming that we receive a, a mining license and an EIA in Ghana by the end of next year then very late next year we'll we'll have to be making uh, an election and potentially cash commitments at at that time and then carolina you know is is quick on the heels uh, assuming that you know permitting is able to be achieved by say the end of 20 23, so within a a window of the next 18 to 24 months, we're we're signing on to commitments that will be approaching $2 billion, um, depending on where inflation goes over the next 24 months, maybe a little bit more uh, than than that, and so we need to start thinking about quite uh, chunky levers uh, to pull. Um, to To support those decisions, we have some of those. We're uh, we have two active ATVM loan applications with the Department of Energy now. One for Tennessee Lithium, one for Carolina Lithium. We have an active uh, grant application into the Department of Energy for uh, Tennessee Lithium. We have some optionality around the ongoing strategic partnership with being. Led by J.P. Morgan and Evercore as as advisors, we continue to have very constructive conversations with prospective uh, investors at the asset level, both for Carolina and for Tennessee. Uh, we have the possibility, perhaps, to accelerate cash flow from spodumene concentrate sales at NAL through uh, through significant prepay. We have the possibility to accelerate cash flow at Tennessee through through prepay, and then. You know, depending at the time whether capital markets are open and closed, we can, um, you know, we can always access access those markets. And I think folks are are well aware of um, you know our track record over the last three years of of the successful offerings that we've done. So so there are a lot of a lot of things in play. We've got sort of three more projects in the pipeline, and and their timing is only now starting to crystallize. And then we've got a lot of different Sort of funding sources, um, cash flow from and from our uh, resale of spodumene concentrate from NAL potentially a significant source of cash over the next twenty-four months. Let's say,
0: if I could just do basic math, if you're selling one hundred and thirteen thousand tons of NAL at fully ramped volumes in twenty twenty-four, okay, and it's mm-hmm. at seven thousand dollars you know, or 7,700 as the bill last or whatever the number is, 600, 6000 yeah. whatever the number is, so you could be making and you're buying it at a ceiling price of $900. Correct. So, you know, you could be making 500, 400, 500, 600 million in EBITDA in 2024 on in that year alone.
1: Is that, is that right? It, it, yeah, that I mean, that math, that math adds up um you know it it assumes we get to nameplate and that the that the market remains this robust in terms of pricing. We do believe in stronger for longer um if it's that strong, I think we'll be uh we'll be very pleased for sure but but directionally you're you're correct um you know, and we we think that there's you know there's real opportunity um for the company in uh coming from Quebec over the next, uh, two to three two to three years.
2: I guess also where Howard's I guess angling at uh, Patrick and what you're alluding to is if you look at potential prepays and strategic partners, etc., Piedmont could be in a position where it does not need to dilute in order to fund the next projects coming into play. Is that uh,
1: fair? It- I think there are scenarios, Rodney, that play out where that's where that's true, depending on what the readiness of all the projects are uh, from an FID perspective and the pace uh, and the speed that we want to want to go at. Uh, maybe that's you know maybe that's not true, but I think if all the stars align between loans, grants, strategic partnership, uh, prepay, et, et cetera. Um, and we're disciplined about how we deploy capital. You know, we certainly reduce the need to buy on capital.
2: Okay, great. If one looks at Atlantic, depending on how you develop that asset and and the size and scale of the resource by the time FID comes, that's not a massive commitment relative to what you'll be getting and what it'll produce
1: exactly and you know i sort of think about the progression of our capital projects program is is good for a junior company like piedmont Um, as aspirational as we want to be to take on a project of the the scale of, of carolina lithium billion dollar capex you know it's an engineer's dream to to build something like that if you're not prepared the team doesn't function well and it doesn't have the the expertise and the technical chops uh, a dream can turn into a nightmare. So the idea that you know we're deploying twenty million dollars of cash in an eighty million dollar program to support NAL, you know that builds our team skill set and our partners. Then we come out here and we deploy, say, hundred million dollars in Atlantic, and we build a, a greenfield uh, open pit DMS only mine and spodumene concentrator. Then we move to Tennessee and we deploy six hundred million dollars. We build a standalone chemical plant. And lastly, you know, we come back to Carolina and we build the most, most challenging, largest, most complex project in the portfolio. And I think that that sequence kinda is how we're gonna transform ourselves from that single asset junior Howard that you first visited back in twenty seventeen to you know, being among the largest lithium hydroxide producers in North America in five or six years time.
2: I think I think kind of what gets lost from an investment perspective is yes, and you have all of that potential. But I guess based on how it's maths, if we broadly look at it in terms of the timing and ramp of North American lithium, and then the timing and ramp of Atlantic is, you know, potentially in 2025, if all goes according to plan, because DMS should ramp pretty quickly based on the experience of some of the other assets that have. If you've got 250,000 tons of attributable spodumene and concentrate and you make a $4,000 margin on it, that's a billion dollars in EBITDA before you've done anything else with the other downstream
1: assets. May view Piedmont in an evolution from Carolina lithium with some of these other assets that have and projects that have been either acquired or created over time that that maybe the market doesn't yet understand well people are only getting exposed to those those stories There's still works in progress I think um, you know our journey here locally You know, in terms of the the timeline to receive all of our approvals and and start construction is well documented. So you know, if you if you sort of followed the Piedmont story, you may view us as a North Carolina story with a bit of a permit overhang and some of these other things that are out there that aren't quite well understood. And I was speaking with the with an investor last week who has been in the stock in the past, and they ask, you know, how, how should I think about all these things? And my suggestion was, well, um, pretend you didn't know anything about Piedmont lithium. And this was your first exposure to who we are and what we're trying to achieve. And, you know, build your model and make your decisions based on the sequence of when we intend to bring product to market and the relative certainty or uncertainty that all those things will be successful and and when and so on that basis you you start with the restart at North American lithium and the attributable offtake agreement and then you migrate into the other projects as a prospective investor that that may or may not change your point of view on what our valuation should be
0: Take on that point. If I look at Cyana's stock, it's market cap, 2 billion Aussie, so call it like one and a half billion us, you know, Sionna is this project, North American lithium in partnership with you. Right. And then it's, it's MoBlog, right. And then they have some other, you know, bibs and bobs, you know, maybe not lithium, but you know, uh, the driving value creator of the company is 75% ownership, you know, of the project, but you know, only 50% of the offtake, I guess they get paid, you know, they're gonna get paid $900. There's just a disconnect just on that alone. You you have material, additional projects, you know, on the side of you and, you know, your valuation is lower than just people just aren't pricing in North American lithium in, in my opinion, you're right. The people who, who are fresh to the story should look at this first. I, I think that it's largely been ignored. Some of your cell side analysts have started covering it
1: that's true that's great maybe people aren't pricing in the the potential of North American lithium you know whether from our side or or from Sionis side
2: Patrick so given you that you've got near-term producing assets can you give our listeners a sort of a sense of how strong downstream demand is for lithium and um and you know the extent to which the importance of local
1: production in North America is for uh, for the regional OEMs? Others in the company, Keith or, or Austin, can give more elegant answers to those questions. But what I would say is that we have seen an increased interest and in engagement from uh, battery makers who have or are building uh, North American manufacturing capacity and North American-based OEMs uh, in in terms of securing securing local supply or supply for battery materials that will be compliant with all the various elements of the Inflation Reduction Act. So that uh, from, from prospective customers that the market continues to remain very tight Uh, And, you know, in engagement with sort of all near-term producers is a, is a valuable exercise. And we haven't entered into any sales agreements uh, yet. You know, we've got, we've got a little bit of time to sort those things out. And we have yet to place any uh, future hydroxide production from either Tennessee or, or Carolina lithium. When you
0: were picking your plant and Albemarle is talking about having a a Southern state, you know, why didn't you pick Texas or Louisiana and and why wouldn't, um, you know, Tesla or Albemarle, you know, follow you in Tennessee?
1: It's a good question. So we, we went to market to a number of States in the Southeast with, with an ask around, you know, a, a description of the project that we want to build. An indication of the acreage that we need, uh, we effectively wanted a site that could be ready for development, a permit perspective and a background environmental study perspective as early as Q1 next year. So, you know, we ran kind of a quantitative and qualitative scoring matrix of about 30 properties and, um, you know, Etowah, McMinn County came out, uh, head and shoulders above the rest, frankly
0: spodumene may be coming in from various locations in the world it could come from brazil it could come from ghana it could come from australia it was important to go into the north american lithium detail uh atlantic lithium plus north american lithium if it's two hundred and fifty thousand tons of spodumene by 2025 uh, that could be a billion dollars ebitda you know then Piedmont's trading at one times yeah you know, 2025 ebitda
1: you know one of the one of the considerations of um you know the strategic partnering process that we're running would be the 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 quality of that partner the extent to which they're able to you know be more than a financial partner that they can lend both technical expertise and and help credential further credentialize Piedmont um as a serious player in the in the market
0: yeah I think a a big strategic partner for the big downstream stuff that you're doing is important, but always going back to the plain vanilla spodumene, keep it simple, stupid. You know, you bought a a brownfield asset, you know, if MP materials could figure out how to, you know, export rare earth oxide to China, you guys could figure out how to uh, ship 5.5% spodumene to China, right? And generate those cash flows near term. Those things are fully funded and you don't need a strategic partner to generate that billion dollars in cash flow um the rest of the pieces you, you do so anyway thank you very much patrick um i hope viewers appreciate uh, getting the additional color from you and frame of reference that piedmont is a is a a broadening universe of credible people and operators that are going to you know bring value to shareholders in, in time
1: howard broadening thank you so much for having me today it's been great to chat we can't wait to host you.
0: Thanks for watching this interview with Peter Patrick Brindle. If you want to hear more, an extended cut of this interview with about 15 minutes of extra content is available for our Patreon supporters. Click on our Patreon link in the description to learn more.